You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones, unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway's successes are in Times Square. (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. Excuse you. I'm so sorry. I thought that was going to be silent. It's recorded. (laughs) That'll teach me to push the button before I've digested. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) That was horribly embarrassing, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) I mean, Georgia does it, so. I know, but it's so gross. (laughs) So gross. So I might just mute out the burp, but you'll all know what happened because of our reaction. Um, You have stumbled upon Theater Geeks Anonymous, where we talk about Broadway flops, scandals, and new works. Who fails, who sues, we tell their story. We tell their story. (laughs) That was like Jesus Christ Superstar. It was. It was. We tell their story. Hey, what's he doing? cat right now climbing up on shelves we don't know what's ridiculous i think maybe larry got him all discombobulated i love larry we love larry larry's so larry's a poodle that i dog sit and he's freaking cutest thing ever don't tell sweet pea and puddle but he's my favorite He's so freaking cute. Oh my gosh, I love him. Yeah. I just love him. He's actually a multi-poo, and I think that the next dog I get after one of these guys passes away is going to be a multi-poo. I just... so wonderful. He's the sweetest. He is. He doesn't throw a fuss. He just is so happy to curl up next to you. The only thing bad about him is that whenever you move in bed, he fills in the space. So if I turn toward the edge, he fills in the gap, and then I can't turn back, so I'm just stuck there but it's kind of precious it's so sweet where's the warm where's my person he's so sweet in fact it's funny because like i have like a bedtime routine where after i've washed my face and brushed my teeth and all that Mm -hmm. stuff i come into the room and i uh turn off the light and i set my alarm and then i sit down on the edge of the bed and i put on some lotion Mm -hmm. and i get my cell phone like plugged in and i get my book out ready to read and while i'm sitting there he will come up and curl up around my lower back and he's the sweetest thing but then i'm like okay larry i have have to get in (laughs) i love him He's so precious. I love that dog. Me too. (laughs) And his owners are the sweetest people in the world. You know exactly where it comes from. Totally. That's why my dogs are such nightmares. (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Puddle. Help yourself to all those treats, why don't you? Where is he even? (laughs) um, 
Now he's in his bed. Okay. We're good now. Okay. <laughs> so today's episode is <laughs> Dear World. Yeah. I'm excited about this because this, we're not even going to play the game anymore. This week is all yeah. about Angela Lansbury. Right, we told the last Yeah, already. everyone knows now, unless yeah. you weren't paying attention. <laughs> and then you'll have to go back and listen because yeah. I'm not going to explain it again. No. Uh, but this week and then two weeks from now is going to be... Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. We're doing Dear World and then a Diddy we've talked about before. Pretty Bell. Which I'm really excited about because <laughs> I still have not done any research on it because I want to hear the story from you. Oh boy. I, me and uh, so we're going to have a special guest, my friend who does listen to the pod, um, Robbie Sandler. Yes. He loves this show and it wasn't from him that I found out about it. It was because I listened to. Um, uh, I went to a 54 Below concert that Rob Schneider, who's one of the hosts of the Behind the Curtain podcast, um, uh, and and he <laughs> and so they they do like these. It's called Broadway Bound, and so it's like shows that never actually got to Broadway. Uh, and so <laughs> when he and Jen Tepper were telling the Pretty Bell story, I was like, "What is this?" And the whole audience, like, if you. I mean, you could. People were in shock when they were explaining this story. <laughs> it's it's so far from musical theater, the content that you would normally see yeah. in musical theater. Yeah, that it, it it is shocking. Yeah, and it's not in like a Sondheimian way, where you're talking about no. killing people and putting them in pies. It's like, wow, you went there. Now there yeah. is an opera called Susanna oh. that is slightly. It's similar. It's similar. Well, Susanna is the lead character, and she is brutally raped right in the beginning. And that's basically the show. But it's an opera. Right, right. So it's different. You can have really dark and heady material in an opera. But in musical theater, it's difficult to pull off. Yeah. Unless you can do... You know, like, we were literally just talking about Candor and Ebb, and they have, like, this dark Mm -hmm. undertone. But, like, it's still... Like, even, like, we were talking about Scottsboro Boys because it's at the Signature Theater in D.C. And I have a friend who is, when we're recording this, she's, like, watching it. Uh, and then I'm going to try and go before it closes. But, um, <laughs> like, it's it's done in a minstrel show. But mm-hmm. it's, like, these 12 young men who are accused of doing a crime they didn't do. It's, like, the original Central da, Park da, Five. Da, 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 yeah. yeah. But the way they do it, it, like is still fiercely entertaining. Yeah. And even though it's like such a terrible story. Well, it's, yeah, it's, they, they're so good at creating, um, really deep, yeah. uh, storylines. Yeah. Cause it's not like what's on the surface yeah. is what you will see in abundance. Right. But it's that underlying almost, there's like a sinister yeah. underline. Right. To what's going on on stage, and I, they do like, that in everything. Yeah. I feel like, like Joel Gray yeah. in Cabaret, mm-hmm. perfectly illustrates absolutely what Candor and Ebb do. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of, he's sort of their voice. Like, yeah, it's like the MC is definitely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't. They didn't write Dear World, did they? No. Okay. <laughs> no, they they had nothing to do with it. Okay. In fact, uh, I'll just get right to it and tell you who did. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So most of my information came from Wikipedia, but I will read an excerpt from our very best friend, yes. Not Since Carrie, <laughs> by Ken Mandelbaum. Yeah. Um, there is a really good story that he tells in this book. So I'll get to that in a little bit. But first, I just want to tell you the basics. And that is that Dear World is a Broadway musical with a book by Jerome Lawrence and Robert E. Lee. Not that one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And music and lyrics by Jerry Herman. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Herman is known, of course, for such shows like uh, From A to Z, Milk and Honey, Madam Aphrodite, Hello Dolly, Mame, Mac and Mabel, The Grand Tour, La Caja Full, and Jerry's Girls. Some of these will doubtless show up on our podcast. Yeah. Uh, But for the most part, Jerry Herman's career has been really, really successful. Yeah. Jerome Lawrence and Robert Ely collaborated on several plays together. They wrote Inherit the Wind, which oh. I did when I was a little girl. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen the movie. And then okay. I saw in D.C. there was a production. Um, and if you guys have seen Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. uh, the, the older gentleman who hires Robin Williams to like 
like after he's lost his job, he's Mrs. Doubtfire. It's like towards the end of the movie. This, there's like this old gentleman who's almost like a Santa Clausy, <laughs> Santa Clausy type person, who like gives him this amazing job. Mm-hmm. That older gentleman, he was the lead in Inherit the Land okay. in DC. Yeah. Um, it's about the monkey scopes trial. It, yeah. It's like uh, Darwinism versus creationism and what they're going to teach in schools. Right. Uh, it's a good play. It's really good. They also wrote Anti-Mame and another play called The Night Thoreau Spent in Jail. Uh, oh, no, a couple more. The, Inco- the Incomparable Max and Jabberwock. Those are all the plays that they wrote. Okay. In addition to Dear World, they also helped to write the books for the musicals Shangri-La mm-hmm. and Mame. So there's that little tidbit. And it makes sense if they wrote Anti-Mame, then they yeah. wrote the book for it. Yeah. The musical. Well, and it makes sense that Jerry Herman would, yeah. you know, find them and, and ask them to do that. Uh, so with Dear World's opening, this is actually really cool. Herman became the first composer lyricist in history to have three productions running simultaneously on Broadway. Those three shows, I'll let you guess. If Dear World is one of them. This is 69. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I had to look it up. No, dear. Okay, so Evangel Lansbury's in this one is definitely not Mame. (laughs) I have no idea. No, it is Mame. It is. Yeah. Oh wait. Because Mame ran for like three years. Right. So is who's in it at this point? I don't know. I I didn't look. I didn't look too deeply into it. I just wanted to find out which shows were running. Okay. So it was Mame, Hello Dolly, and Dear World all at the same time. Oh. the Dear World starred Angela Lansbury, whom right. we've already spoken about, who won the Tony Award for Best Leading Actress in a Musical in 1969 for her performance as the Countess Aurelia, based on Jean Giraudoux's play The Madwoman of Chaillot, as adapted by Maurice Valenci. It focuses on the Countesses Aurelia, Constance, and Gabrielle, who deviously scheme to stop businessmen from drilling for oil in the Parisian neighborhood of Chaillot. Uh, the forces of idealism, love, and poetry win over through uh, those of greed, materialism, and science. <laughs> I feel like now with like all these shows, like we'd never have that on Broadway. Like no. we'd never have something with that kind of substance. Well, and I, maybe it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, I would like to see something with some substance. Well, substance, we uh, I guess, Las yes. Vegas no, I'm with the- you. I'm with you as far as that goes. You're right. Everything yeah. is a spectacular. Yeah. I do want to see something with substance. The way that they went about this particular show oh, not wasn't necessarily that fantastic. Okay. So, but we'll get into that. So okay. first, I'm going to read you the synopsis. Okay. Um, it's fairly long, but I'll read it fast. <laughs> uh, the devil is shown as the largest corporation in the world whose board of directors learn from a sleazy prospector that it can turn millions into billions by drilling for oil under the streets of Paris. All the Parisian bistros, boulevards, and monuments are fair game. Tear them all down and bring in the oil derricks, and by the spring of next year, the establishment will proclaim that money and pollution will reign over all. The it's only... I, it, I know. It's very... Um, <laughs> The establishment proclaimed that money and pollution will... Oh, I just read that. The only clue to the source of the oil, however, is the water from the Café Francis in the Chaillot district. The café, however, is not for sale, but this does not stop our board from arranging an accident. Julian, a nice young man who has had some legal problems, is dispatched as a saboteur. As he has, in the past, been saved from his problems by the chairman of the board, Julian is in no position to turn down any job. Uh, the chairman decides that he should do. Julian is ordered to plant a bomb to explode at noon. But the Cafe Francis is worth saving. Its personnel includes Nina, a pretty waitress, a comma, a deaf mute. <laughs> when I first read part? that, oh, these no. are different people. These are different people, but okay. when I first read that, yeah, I, was I was like, like wait, the pretty waitress is the deaf mute? Right. <laughs> That's what I was like. Uh... So it includes a pretty waitress, a deaf mute, who mimes and dances, a handsome waiter, a skillful juggler, an endearing prostitute, and, as a resident good witch, an ancient madwoman who calls herself the Countess Aurelia. <laughs> Her mission in life is to feed the stray cats of Paris. This she does with scraps, bones, and chicken parts collected daily from the cafe. She's also in a never-ending search of a missing nine-foot leather boa that was a gift from a vanished lover. Noon arrives and passes with no explosion. The deaf mute enters with Julian, whom he has prevented from jumping off a bridge. And in trying this feat, Julian has rendered himself unconscious. 
So, the bomb didn't go off. Julian tried to kill himself because of all of this trouble that he's had. So, basically, they're inferring, although not very well in this particular synopsis, that the corporation has very long hands and they can reach you anywhere and if you don't do what they ask you to do they're basically going to make your life miserable enough that dying is better than that holy jeez this is like the circle a little bit a little bit um so julian is saved he's brought back to the cafe where nina the pretty waitress ministers to him and brings him around when julian sees her he believes he's in paradise the countess knows love when she sees it At this point, Julian tells them of his mission. He says he's doomed for his failure and decides he really must try to end it all. The Countess intervenes. Despair is the creature of darkness, she says. Each new day should bring hope. Reassured, Julian decides uh, to stay, but is immediately caught by the corporation, only to be rescued by the Countess, who runs the chairman of the board off the premises. He leaves, but swears to destroy her and and your silly cafe. <laughs> That's how I feel it might might go. <laughs> I'll get you I'll get and you your little cafe ready. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the countess friends see the seriousness of the situation, but ever the optimist, the countess. <laughs> I said optimist, the countess. So let's try that again. <laughs> but ever the optimist, the countess doesn't see the evil in the world but if she is told uh if what she is told is true she doesn't want to know and retreats into the sewers of the paris leaving julian to hide out in her tiny apartment under the cafe nina meanwhile confesses that although she has known many men she has never been in love with anyone the countess has in the meantime found a sewer man who pulls a barge full of refuse through the underground canals she wonders whether the world has indeed become an evil place the sewer man says the proof is right there on his boat. These two are joined for luncheon by the dow- by two dowager lunatics, Constance, and uh, the mad w- woman of the flea market, and, oh, who is deaf, except on Wednesdays. And what? <laughs> that's what it says. And Gabrielle, the mad woman of Montmartre, who has an invisible dog and, a long, and long blonde curls of a little girl that she hasn't been for half a century. They all agree that the world is sick, but only the mad can clearly see it. This actually has uh, tones of the Curious Savage in it, too. I don't know that show. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Okay. Um, I won't go into that because this is a long synopsis. Okay. So that was Act 1. Okay. <laughs> I know. This is like... And we haven't really done anything. We haven't oh, really learned no. anything. It's basically... And I'm very confused. Yeah, I, okay, so boils down <laughs> to... I know because I had to read it like five times before I was oh, like, no. okay. So I think this is what's happening. Um, Corporation is trying to raise Paris in order to build up oil derricks and get millions Mm. and billions of dollars because there's oil underground. This one cafe in the Chaillot district is the only holdout, and they are not selling. Julian is hired because Julian has been caught doing illegal things. He is quote-unquote hired, basically told, you have to do this or or else, by the chairman of the board to bomb this particular cafe so that they can continue with their plans for world domination. Okay. Julian does not do it because he sees the good in this cafe and the people that are there. So instead, he tries to kill himself. He is saved, brought back to the cafe, where he falls in love almost immediately with Nina the Pretty Waitress. Okay. The Countess Aurelia saves him when he is to be captured by the chairman of the board and sends the chairman of the board away. But then she is so devastated by the evil that could possibly be in this world that she goes down into the sewers and remains there. Act one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so now here's act two. Holy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should have just told the story. <laughs> no, that, no, that, but this is good because it's yeah, got yeah, a lot. It's, it's got all the also, names in it. And also, frankly, into. you understand there there's problems. Yeah. with the book already, we can yeah. already tell that this is going in a direction that maybe someone should have said something. Because I about. should, I shouldn't be confused. No, no. And there is something to be said about when it's done on stage that's that somehow the visual can clarify it. Right. But 
really honestly, yeah. well, we've said this before, a story is a good story is a good story is a right. good story. And, right. if, and if you don't have a good story, if you have a convoluted story to begin yeah. with, it's going to be convoluted on stage. Act two. Okay. <laughs> Julian is still hiding in the Countess apartment, which is above the cafe. Okay. Nina brings him food, but the Countess believes that more than food is needed. They need love. I know. I She just rolled her eyes, and I did too when I first read that. Long ago, the Countess had saved the sewer man's life. In return for this, he promised to uh, to show her, when needed, the secret of the moving stone. See, and this is just another Where is part. the moving stone? Wait, was that in Act 1 at no. all? No. Oh, the no. only thing about that so is that we met the sewer man. That's the only part that that has lasted uh, everything else is new information okay so he demonstrates by turning the head of a particular stone gar- gargoyle underground a secret trapdoor opens beneath which is <laughs> a series of steps that go down down and down forever <laughs> the countess ponders whether if you could gather all the bad people in the world and just dispose of them would it be legal? It's like the purge. <laughs> it seems like it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Except that was or everybody. Saw. That was everybody being purged, not just bad people. That was like right. It's like if you just want to, if you just want to kill people, right? So then maybe it's more like I'll think of something. It's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You keep thinking about that. <laughs> You'll have plenty of brain space because this doesn't take much. <laughs> That's terrible. Um. So would this be legal if she just disposed of all these bad people? Okay. This subject becomes the topic of a tea party consisting of the three mad women and their various attendant spirits. However, the group is unable to stay on topic. Constance wanders off into the land of old lovers. Gabrielle and the Countess decide that memories are like fake jewelry. The longer you wear them, the more real they become. Gabrielle is distracted by her, by her invisible dog when she realizes that she hadn't brought him today. Constance wishes for the guidance of her household voices, the teapot, vacuum cleaner, hot water bottle, but the Countess tells her that everything past and present is available, unseen in the air. (laughs) I'm wondering, I do wonder if maybe... I'm sure in the original play... Or like... Well, whoever wrote this... Yeah. Maybe they had a difficult time figuring out This was like... One of the, like, not the Samuel French uh, oh. website, but it's this is the synopsis that goes along with, like, if you're, you want to do the show, here's the story. Oh. I don't remember which website it was, but, like, I looked for an actual synopsis outside of Wikipedia because sometimes Wikipedia can be yeah, a little convoluted. But, no, this was... It's this legit. Is, yeah, this is the resource material that you read in, if you're wanting to do this show. Okay. Uh, yeah. The mad women decide that evil people are guilty, so there must be a trial. They agree to meet at midnight in the flea market. The countess requests Julian to give a letter to the chairman of the board in which it says she will do as he wishes if he and all of his group will come to the flea market at a quarter past midnight. That night in the flea market, the trial is held with the sewer man and his friends in place of the establishment. They plead their case, but are found guilty. The countess must put her plan into action all alone. The members of the establishment arrive with what seems to be a deal to save the cafe and make its staff rich. The countess is not fooled. She leads them all to her cellar, pulls on the gargoyle, opens the secret trap door, and down they all go. The world has been saved, at least for the present. Dawn breaks, birds sing, and the countess goes about her business, feeding the strays. Curtain. Gonna let you digest that because it seems to me that if she felt so bad about the evil in the world that she tucked herself away into the sewers of Paris, that to make the leap to serial murder is not necessarily a lack of evil. <laughs> Wait, okay, but that's like okay, okay. So I figured out what movie this is. Oh, okay. This is V for Vendetta. Oh uh, well, yeah. Right? Yeah. This is this is like the yeah. same, except I don't think Angela Lansbury wore a Guy Fox. No, mask. <laughs> I don't know. And 
I understood what was happening in B right. for Vend- Like there were no, there's not a lot of side stories. Like, right. There's just too many it's, side yes. stories. Like, and I'm uh, real confused. Julian and Nina are probably, I mean, except that you have to have a love story in a musical comedy. Right. Because that's the rule. This is a comedy. Well, musical theater. Okay. I mean, it's, it is, it, the Mad Woman of Chaillot is not, I guess it's not listed as a comedy, but it's not a drama by any means. It's Ooh. about these five mad women who get together and they chat, and it's it's supposed to be very. I haven't read it, okay. but it's by all accounts is supposed to be very funny and very, you know, just oddball, like very um, Carol Burnett and Vicky Lawrence. Okay. So, uh, I w- is this supposed to be more like um, metaphorical, allegorical? Is it, it more that in she like the same kills vein all of as these like bad guys? What? what um kelly the musical was supposed Mm. to be like it maybe it's not meant to be very clear and linear and it's supposed to be more of a commentary on like society i think that's i think you're looking too deep i really do i really do i think that jerry herman read this play the mad woman of shio and he was like that'd make a good musical and so he created it i just don't think i think Perhaps if he had gone one step further and yeah. actually if if Candor and Ebb wrote this musical, right. you would have an underlying like right in your face. This is what's happening in the world today kind of storyline. OK, I don't think Jerry Herman really writes that way. Okay. He writes about the characters. Right. He's a very character driven uh, composer lyricist. Yeah. OK. And. Well, if you look at the other stuff that Robert Ely and Joseph Lawrence wrote, those are also very character-driven plays. Anti-Mame, Inherit the Wind. I don't really know the other ones very well, but those two in particular are very character-driven. Right, so right. Um, there, prob- there might not have been anyone in the creative mix to kind of steer it into a focus. And so then you're, you run this, you, know, you have this problem of so many characters yeah. on the stage, but nobody's really telling a story. Right. I, I don't know. Um, here, I mean, there there actually aren't that many characters. Here's the list right here, and then who played them. So Countess Aurelia, as I mentioned before, she was the Mad Woman of Chaillot, is played by Angela Lansbury. Gabrielle, who was the Mad Woman of Montmartre, is played by Jane Connell. In, I think, Not Since Carrie, uh, Ken actually mentions her as being one of the poles, as well as Angela Lansbury, but I'm not exactly sure what she has done. So, um, before Dear World, she was in MAME oh. as Agnes Gooch. <gasps> oh, okay. I, you know, I wonder if that was why yeah. it was such a big deal, because they had just done that show together. Right, right. That makes sense. Okay. Uh, Constance, the Mad Woman of the Flea Market, was played by Carmen Matthews. The Sewer Man was played by Milo O'Shea. He has the biggest name on the poster for Dear World. And oh, wow. I wondered why that was. Yeah. So when I looked him up, I made sure to do some like major research because I wanted to know exactly what he's done before this. Mm-hmm. It seems that in 68, this show was in 69 and 68, he was Friar Lawrence in Romeo and Juliet, the oh, movie. Wow. As well. The movie we watched when we were yes. kids in, in school. Yes. <laughs> And uh, played also that year Duran Duran in Barbarella. And so those were like, he was hugely popular at this moment in time, which is why his name is so freaking huge on the poster. (laughs) But it always used to strike me. I'm like, who is this Milo O'Shea? Why is his name bigger than Angela Lansbury? Now, obviously she gets the top billing, but like it's... It's so funny. I mean, take a look at the poster if you can. Okay. I'll put but it up picture on, it with um, me. <laughs> I'll put it up on Instagram when this okay. posts oh, so yeah, everyone perfect. can look at it. Yeah. So the top says, you know, Angela Lansbury, and then it was like, Dear World, in huge letters, and then a beautiful picture, and then it's got these tiny little names, name, 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 and then three or four lines down, you see Milo O'Shea right in the middle and in huge <laughs> lettering. Like, I'm talking 80 font, to, or 80 point <laughs> to like 12 point. So like 12 point are all Holy the other names. Natural. He's 80 point. It's huge. And then everything else is really tiny again. It was so funny to me. So that's why. Um, it, Julian is played by Kurt Peterson. The chairman of the board is William Larson. Nina is played by Pamela Hall. Okay. So those are the characters. Uh, productions and background. The musical had 
a notably troubled preview. Mm-hmm. Oh. I don't think that that's any surprise right. to us. There was no out of town? There was. Okay. Um, it included multiple changes to the script. I'll tell you a story about that okay. later on. I think it's actually in the book as well. Um, they had multiple changes that they had done to the script and the score. Lucia Victor, Gower Champion's assistant and the director of several revivals, including Hello, Dolly, was hired as director but resigned shortly thereafter due to artistic differences with the musical star, Angela Lansbury, and the authors, according to the New York Times. Peter Glenville was then hired but resigned following negative reviews during tryouts in Boston. Um... And producer Alexander H. Cohen stated in an article uh, in the New York Times on November 19th of 1968 that there was no friction between Mr. Glenville and Miss Lansbury, the composer, the authors, or the producer. An advance arrangement had been made with Mr. Glenville to direct the show through the last week only. The show's final director, Joe Layton, was then hired, also replacing the choreography uh, choreographer Dan- Donald Sandler. Excuse me, Donald Sadler. So, I mean, he's trying to do some politicking. Right. You know, look, we don't know what the truth is. Right. (laughs) But two people resigned, and they say it's because they couldn't get along with Angela and the authors. No. So I'm just going to leave that there. (laughs) I know. The musical opened on Broadway at the Mark Hellinger Theater on February 6th, 1969, and closed May 31st, 1969, after 132 performances and 45 previews. Now is the time (laughs) to read from Not Since Carrie. Uh, I mean, 100 and something is not the worst we've ever... No. No, it's actually... I was actually kind of surprised that it lasted as long as it did. But we'll get into that because apparently when they first started just the idea, even maybe even before the rehearsal started, Mm -hmm. they were selling advanced tickets based on the fact that Angela Lansbury was starring. So, you know, they had all of these, you know, tickets sold already. So they Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, they didn't honestly have to worry about closing it until all of those tickets had been used. Right. So, all right. So this is from Not Since Carrie by Ken Mandelbaum. Uh, After writing a couple of off-Broadway reviews, Herman began his Broadway career with the moderately successful Milk and Honey. He next did the scores for two of the biggest hits of the 60s, Hello, Dolly, and Mame. And for a time, it looked as if Herman had only to create a vehicle for for a series of menopausal stars to have a smash. What? (laughs) Ken. Well, I know, but it's kind of true if you look at, I mean, like all of the, I won't say menopausal, but all of his at leading actresses are very mature women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rude awakening came with Dear World, the first of three successive Herman flops. Jean Giraudoux's The Mad Woman of Chaillot, as adopted by Maurice Valencie, ran almost a year on Broadway in 1948. That was the play. Herman, who had played the part of the deaf-mute as a University of Miami student, had long sought the rights to musicalize Madwoman. But they were held to Michelle Legrand and Richard Wilbur, who had written the musical version of the play with Valencia as librettist. They should have just written it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the clout he possessed after two gigantic hits, Herman was finally able to get the rights away from the team, or from that team, and uh, as he would later reassemble the Annie team for I Remember Mama. Uh, oh, wait. As he would later reassemble the Annie team for I Remember Mama. Oh, I see. For the show I Remember Mama. Sorry, that sentence just did not make sense for a second. <laughs> uh, producer Alexander H. Cohen reunited with Herman uh, and with Mame's star Angela Lansbury. Librettists Jerome Lawrence and Robert Ely featured star Jane Connell, musical director Donald Pippin, 
and orchestrator Philip J. Lang in a blatant attempt to cash in on that still-running show's success. Dear World's heroine, Countess Aurelia, driven mad when she let the love of her life get away, takes on the chairman of the board of the world's largest corporation who is attempting to get all the oil underneath Paris, and she wins, saving the world and then going off to conquer a new tomorrow morning. With an unconventional philosophy and an ability to conquer the establishment and solve all problems, even Aurelia herself had striking similarities to Mame Dennis. The original play had only two settings, the cafe and Aurelia's apartment. The musical opened the play up to include the Parisian sewers, a flea market, and some other streets. The play's rag picker and sewer man were combined into one character, and the play's three other mad women became only two. Mm-hmm. Lansbury, very hot after Mame, signed a two-year contract, and Cohen splashed a two? glamour. Mm-hmm. Uh, they splashed a glamour photo of her swathed in white fur across a full-page newspaper ad, eliciting mail orders before the show even went into rehearsal. Dear World then embarked on an extremely troubled period of development. Lucia Victor, longtime assistant to Gower Champion, was hired to make her directorial debut for Broadway. Uh, and after a few days, Lansbury and the others were not happy. Victor soon resigned. Artistic differences with Lansbury and the authors were given out to the press as the reason for her departure. Peter Glenville, who had directed Lansbury in Hotel Paradiso on Broadway, came in. The reviews in Boston were mostly negative, and Cohen instigated a suit against Women's Wear Daily when it printed an item stating that Lansbury wanted the show closed in Boston. Glenville, who had signed on in between, uh, oh, in between commitments as a favor to Lansbury, withdrew, and Joe Layton became the show's third director, also replacing choreographer Donald Sadler. So that gives you a little more information. Yeah. Turning the page, if you can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> At record high ticket prices, Dear World played 49 New York record previews. High? This is like some yeah. Bat Midler comes back to Broadway right? type stuff. Yes. Uh, canceling its, uh, they played 49 New York previews, canceling its opening several times while critics threatened to review it. <laughs> threatened. His Ken words, is a trip. but that I know he really is. He makes me laugh. <laughs> Joe Masteroff worked on book revisions, but Lansbury was by now aware that the show was getting worse, not better. Her quote, I promise you that the show we opened with in Boston had far more quality in the first five minutes than we ever achieved with all the changes. Mm. Dear World finally opened in uh, early February to mostly poor reviews containing praise for Lansbury, Miguel Goudreau as the mute, Connell and Carmen Matthews as Aurelia's fellow madwomen, and Herman Score. Shortly after the opening, the New York Post ran this item, quote, Lansbury wants out and the rest of the cast is feuding with Angela. They claim she behaved like a virago. I had to look it up. Yeah. It's basically just like a really mean woman. A diva. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> insisting on multiple changes in the play out of town. Angela, on her part, insists that the musical, which was faring badly with audiences in Boston, needed them. Whatever the truth, Dear World had mostly run out of audiences by the time it opened on Broadway. It lasted four months on what was left of, of the advance sale. Then it closed at a loss of $750,000. In today's money, it is more than $5 million. A loss. I wonder how much of that is her salary. <laughs> uh, dear yes, world. Yes, we super love Angela, though. Uh, we do. I love her, too. And listen, the next no. sentence on is Lansbury went on to win her second Tony for the best, best actress in a musical. Yeah. She's a very good performer. Dear World was a classic mismatch of material and authors. I will agree with that. Mm -hmm. The bombast, and we've talked about that too. Yeah. The bombastic style so suited to Mame was wrong for Girardot's delicate piece, which was mm -hmm. blown up into a big musical quite alien in spirit to the original. The original almost kind of reminds me of like an Oscar Wilde, like very um, importance of being earnest. Like it doesn't need mm -hmm. to be big. It doesn't need to have, you know, lots of sets and lots of people and lots of dressing. It just needs, you just need to tell the story. That's me talking, not Ken. <laughs> uh, this is Ken now. Um, the heroine of the play was far more complex than the one in the musical, who was pretty much the standard Broadway musical heroine of the period. 
The show was so overproduced from the beginning that it was not really flexible on the road or in previews. Oh, fixable. I'm sorry. It was not really fixable on the road or in previews. There were other problems built into the source. In 1969, it's doubtful that even the original play itself would have worked. A film version released the same year with Catherine Hepburn and an all-star cast also bombed. Like Giroudou's Mad Women, Dear World was virtually plotless. <laughs> it established a situation at the beginning, there's oil under Paris, and the establishment wants it, and it abruptly resolved that situation in the final curtain. Nothing really happened in between. Herman's score contained lovely things like Aurelia's And I Was Beautiful and the tea party sequence for the three mad women, um, but also some things that were damaging. The title song, Dear World, moved on the road from late in the second act to the first act finale. It was a very destructive number. It was completely foreign to Giroudoux and with a poor lyric to boot. For all of the show's flaws, those who saw it may never be able to forget the sight of Lansbury draped in a nine-foot leather boa confronting a lost lover in her sleep. Hers I don't understand how a, 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 fe a leather boa. Oh, I'm sorry. It's feather. Did I say okay, leather? Yeah, I was like. <laughs> it's just the silly mouth of mine. It does not want to work when I want it to. Leather. Okay. Feather. I, feather boa. Feather. I just said leather again. Yeah. Like I was. A, okay. Feather. Feather. <laughs> Hers was a stunning performance. In later years, Lansbury chose to blame the failure of Dear World on her very presence in it, maintaining that her public had not wished to see her playing an old and unglamorous lady. But she was wrong. Lansbury was one of the one great thing about this show. Make that Lansbury and the logo. <laughs> I don't know what the logo looks like, honestly, because there's yeah. several different versions of it. Right. So I'm not sure which one he's talking about. There's one with just her glamour shot. There's another one with her dressed up as the mad woman, just kind of staring forlornly into the camera. Um, there is one. I think this is maybe the one that yeah. he's talking about. So uh, it's a picture of Angela Lansbury's eyes and her wearing a hat above just a big open space that is supposed to seem like a feather boa did i say oh, it right yeah. <laughs> like a white feather boa and then deer world in that white area I'll maybe that's that on the one Instagram yeah as well. so yeah i'll put both of them up yeah um he does let's see what he writes underneath the picture even a flop can have it four different playbill covers in order they were melancholy boston pose the betty davis photo the logo cover and the desperation photo <laughs> with an eight by ten glossy of lansbury sands her countess aurelia drag it is an an odd playbill choice yeah. it's just her headshot but yeah. anywho i think that was all well, i wanted it's like yeah carousel right now their playbills are like rehearsal shots of the cast really and they have that beautiful beautiful artwork yeah so i'm like really upset because yeah. i i what i what i wanted on my playbill was that gorgeous artwork that they have but no yeah. it's like these rehearsal shots of the cast oh who wants to see that you show that on the website. Yeah, that's what I... Not I on go the on the website. I watch Broadway. We want our programs to be little com. pieces of art. Yeah. To also remind us of the show that we saw. Right. We want them to be gorgeous. You're right. right the light. I feel like there's been a lot of really dud playbills yeah. lately. Okay, so that was not since Carrie. I do have a little bit more to go. Okay. But my screen just went up, so let me find where I am. But don't worry, because I highlighted where I was supposed to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there have been actually some subsequent productions. Oh. Uh, originally conceived as a chamber musical, Dear World fell victim to a massive production that effectively overwhelmed the simplicity of the original tale. After the Broadway closing, Herman, Lawrence, and Lee rewrote the show, putting back oh. the intimacy, I know, that had undermined on Broadway. A revised version was produced at Goodspeed Musicals. They're they're the ones yeah. that if if anyone can bring back a show yeah. that was an absolute flop when it was first on Broadway, mm -hmm. it is Goodspeed. Goodspeed yeah. will do it. Um, they did it in November and December of 2000 oh, wow. with Sally Ann Howes as Aurelia. Uh, and this version had a revised book by David Thompson, plus oh, wow. three songs that were written after the musical closed. A concert version, and I'm assuming that means like when they revised it back in, in 1969, mm -hmm. not in 2000. 
Um, a concert version was staged by 42nd Street Moon in San Francisco in September of 2000. Uh, this production was u- uh, used the revision by Herman Lawrence and Lee. Okay. Okay. A further revised version was produced at the Sundance Theater in Utah from June to August of 2002 with, and I think this is brilliant, yeah. Maureen McGovern as oh. Countess Aurelia. Wouldn't she just be brilliant? Yeah. She's got that kind of aura about her anyway. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> Thompson had revised his previous revision of the book for that. Uh, David Thompson, the one who did it for Goodspeed in 2000. Mm-hmm. The Canadian premiere of this revised version was presented by the Toronto Civic Light Opera Company in May of 2012. It was directed by Joe Cascone. The production uh, starred Barbara Boddy as Aurelia, David Haynes as the sewer man, and featured Elizabeth Rose Morris and Daniel Cornthwaite as the young lovers. Cornthwaite. I think that's how you say it. The musical had its UK premiere at London's Off West End. I think it would do well in London. Yeah. It's that kind of feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's in Paris. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, the uh, Off West End Theatre, the Charing, Charing Cross, Charing Cross, I'm not sure, theatre, uh, from February 4th through March 16th of 2013, and the production was directed and choreographed by Gillian Lynn and starred Betty Buckley as Aurelia. I know. Yes, I'm probably going to see Hello Dolly for a third time just to see Betty Buckley. Do it. She's she's dreamy. <laughs> I love her. She's dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, I bet she was awesome. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Paul Nicholas played the sewer man. Uh, set designed by Matt Kinley. Costumes by Anne Hold Ward. Lighting by Mike Robertson. Musical direction by Ian Townsend. Sound by Mike Walker. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think we know any of these people. These mm-hmm. might all be UK people. Uh, and orchestrations by Sarah Travis. The York Theatre Company in New York City yeah. will produce... I said that for our listening audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I was saying, yeah, like, oh, this is exciting. Totally. What's happening? The York Theatre will produce the musical as part of the musicals of Mufti series. Oh. The staged concert... I think this is actually old information, though. Oh. It says the staged concert will be presented from February 25th, 2017 to oh. March 5th. And it was... it all. So it already went up. It was stein, it starred... Time Daily as Aurelia. I don't remember hearing about this at all. And I feel like I would have. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Uh, Tyne Daly had previously starred in the concert version of Dear World at the Valley Performing Arts Center in Los Angeles on September 30th, 2016. And the concert featured Steven Weber as the sewer man and Vicki Lewis. Steven Weber? Yeah. Uh, he does musicals? I guess so. I mean, The Sewer Man, I don't think, really has to sing very much. Because oh. it was played by Milo O'Shea, as you'll recall. Oh, right, right. Who I think is strictly an actor. Okay. Um, so maybe they don't have anything to sing at all. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Uh, Vicki Lewis and Betts Malone as Aurelia's friends. So now we come to the critical response. Mm. <laughs> The show received mostly negative reviews, right. with critics seemingly personally offended by oh, selling, dear. well, just by the fact that they sold so many tickets to a troubled show oh. before, you know, before, you know, it, when they knew the show was still troubled, they had, they had no trouble selling all of these advanced tickets. Right. All of the critics came down hard on the book and especially on Herman's score. Time magazine incomprehensibly called the songs a total zero that's oh, terrible. No. Morgan, oh, that's really harsh. Uh, Mar- Martin Gottfried, noting that the plot line had been cut to ribbons, found the story impossible to follow. I'm with you, Martin, because I was just trying to read the synopsis and was having trouble as well. Mal- Martin, oh my gosh. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I need to do some like red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather <laughs> before the show. <laughs> Walter Kerr wrote that the musical, quote, is in the main quite charming. The actress Lansbury is endearing throughout the evening and at her commanding best here. Her song, I Don't Want to Know, is a song surprised by its own unexpected passion. The effect doesn't always work for uh, work out for the composer Jerry Herman. Dear World, the title song, excuse me, Dear World, the title song, is attractive when it's staying close to its adult good people. It is in trouble whenever it turns to the bad people. Oliver Smith's settings are perfect. 
Uh, Clive Barnes of the New York Times gave Lansbury a positive review saying the minor miracle is Miss Lansbury. No connoisseur of musical theater can afford to miss Miss Lansbury's performance. It is lovely. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. So he lived by that <laughs> because yeah. all he said were the good things. Maybe it was longer than that. I didn't look it up. Anyway, according to Stephen Citron, uh, on page 181, I'm not sure what that means. Must be a book reference, but yeah. I'm not sure what. Uh, it's He says, I'm just going to say, without all of that. Mm-hmm. According to Stephen Citron, yeah. Sally Ann Howes and the majority of critics now believe that with a rewritten libretto, it could be turned into a successful musical. Yeah. I believe that. Well, and it has because it's done several mm-hmm. revamps. Right. I'm going to end this episode with the lyrics of Dear World. Okay. This is exciting. It should be. Because this is what all the critics were panning. Oh, no. Someone has wounded you, dear world. Someone has poisoned you, dear world. And those who love you defiantly insist that you get off that critical list. So make your recovery quick, world. We're sick of having a sick world. We want you dancing tomorrow afternoon. So be a dear world. Take the stitches out, dear world. Rip the bandage off, dear world. And get well soon. Please take your medicine, dear world. Please take, keep your pressure down, dear world. Promise to thrive on each word your doctor speaks. He'll bring the roses back to your cheeks. For you've been pallid and blah, world. Stick out your tongue and say, ah, world. We'll give you plasma and tonic by the spoon. So be a dear world. Take your medicine, dear world. Keep your pressure down, dear world. And get well soon. Please keep your fever down, dear world. Please keep your courage up, dear world. Your vim and vigor is very sorely missed. He'll bring the roses back to your cheeks. That doesn't work. Help us declare your patient, you patient dismissed. And stand on your crutches with pride, world. You've got to save your own hide, world. We'll bring you lilacs until you're back in tune. So be a dear world. Keep your fever down, dear world. Keep your courage up, dear world. And get well soon. And on that note, bye. Bye. (laughs) Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.